Thank you very much. Just a bit of a thing about this morning is that more than preaching, I hope that you're going to get something. And so if you're a quiet bunch, it's going to be a really boring Sunday <laughs> compared to what we normally have because I don't really feel like there's much that I need to say. But it's more about how you want to respond. And like what Beck was saying just a moment ago, uh, you know, our hunger determines how much God is able to give to us. God's a gentleman. He doesn't force feed you. He doesn't make you eat more than you want. And so if you want a really shallow Christianity, he's like, that's your choice. But if you want something really deep and meaty, like this is, think about this as a Christmas feast message, all right? And so with that, you can talk back, you can say amen, you can go hallelujah, you can say maranatha, you, I don't know, whatever you want to say, all right? So please talk back to me as, as we go on this morning, because I think that God wants to highlight things to you you and you need to respond. I'm already excited about this. I'm going to respond, but if you don't want to respond, you're wasting your time. You know that you can be in God's presence and waste your time? What a stupid thought. Can I, like, I can be in God's presence and be completely unfulfilled. You know, Jesus was in Nazareth and none of them got, well, not none, but very few of them got anything out of it because they were just like, man, they say, if you want to be that kind of like whingy, dumb Christian, that's your call. I want to be a Christian that gets all that God has for me, right? So let's get ready. Let's pray. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit falls in this place. We pray that you speak and that you do your work, and we want to get out of the way. So if there's any distractions, if there's anything that we are holding on to that stops you from doing what you want to do, I pray you highlight it now and that we just lay that thing down because you are the most precious thing. You are the most prized possession that we could ever have, your Holy Spirit living in us. And so we pray this in your name. Amen. All right, last week we, we spoke about the second coming of Jesus. That was a bit of a teaching type morning. We were talking about how we um, have experienced the appearance of God's grace with Jesus coming and dying on a cross. That was God's grace. And then we spoke about how the second coming of Jesus is the appearance of His. Anyone remember? Seven days ago, glory is the appearance of His glory. And we don't want to be Christians that only have grace, not glory, right? We don't want to be the ones that are con controlling God. That's not how it works. But we want the fullness of His kingdom, and that's why we are excited about the appearance of His glory. It helps us to lift our eyes off our focus on the temporary things and helps us to realize what is really important and what our lives are all about. And a big part of that is that our lives are meant to be all about what God is wanting to accomplish on this earth. It would simply call it His kingdom sometimes. We call it His will. We pray about that in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come and your will be done. And that is a very central part about what our lives are meant to be like now. There is this eternity, which is really exciting and what we are looking forward to, but that's later. So what about now? Now is all about seeing glimpses and, and tastes of God's kingdom here on earth. And to be honest, Jesus was really excited about this age as well. 
Jesus was really excited about the fullness of his kingdom, but Jesus was also excited about this age. And so as Christians, we sometimes have a bit of a tension. I think there are some people who tend to go too much into eternities where it's at, and I don't care about what's happening on this earth. Well, you're wasting your time. Then there are other people that's like, this is all that there is. And it's like, hang on, no, there's eternity. We need to balance those two things out. And so I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about this age, what happens now, or what, what is God wanting us to hope for now? What are we meant to be hoping for now? And when we talk about that, what comes to mind is the Holy Spirit. Jesus was really excited about us receiving the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, last week, we, uh, I drew a little bit from Jesus speaking to his disciples just before he was crucified. In John chapter 14 to 16, there's this whole teaching that Jesus does before he goes. I want to draw from that again today. John 14 verse 12 to 14, this is what it says. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. I want that to just, just pause. How many of you go, I want to do what Jesus did? Anyone? Yeah. Yeah. Anyone ever seen the fullness of that yet? No? Okay, we got more coming because Jesus keeps going as well. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus didn't go, you know what, Christians, you are going to really struggle to do anything in this lifetime. Wait till the kingdom comes and then you have the fullness. But in the meantime, just suffer. Look, Jesus said, I'm excited for you guys because you are going to be doing greater things than even what I have done. And for us as Christians, if we kind of go, I want a nice, safe Christianity, you're not Christians. You're not following Christ's teaching. You have got some weird pseudo-Christianity that's all about you and not about the kingdom, and that's not what our salvation is about. And I'm not saying this to condemn anyone. I'm saying this because God is challenging me. What am I expecting about this life? Because Jesus is saying, even greater things than these shall you do, because I'm going to the Father. And then he goes on to say, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, for many of us, we've, uh, you've been Christians for a while, and you hear Christians finish a prayer saying, in the name of Jesus, amen. In your mighty name, in your gracious name, amen. Is that what Jesus is saying? Do we simply say whatever prayer we want? I want this in the name of Jesus. And Jesus, you said that if I ask for something in your name, I will receive it. Because if that's the way it is, Jesus has broken his promise many times to me. I wanted more hair. <laughs> At one stage, I thought having blue eyes would be cool. <laughs> Don't have it. I wanted to be rich. I am kind of rich, but not in the sense Bill Gates rich, you know? And I've said a lot of in the name of Jesus in my time, and that's not how it works. And so when we think about this particular passage, Jesus is saying you will do even greater things than these. And he's saying that you will do even greater things than these because I'm going to answer your prayers. Right? 
and not you're going to do greater things than these because you're going to be powerful, is because I am glorified. That's what Jesus is saying. And so why does he say, and I will do whatever you ask in my name? What does in my name mean? Well, that phrase we still use today. My house is in my name. My car is in my name. My insurance policy is in my name. What does in my name mean? In my possession. And so what Jesus is saying, whatever you ask for that is in God's possession, he will say yes. What does it mean that something is in God's possession? Well, think about it this way. It is in his kingdom, in his power, in his domain. It's in his storehouse. It's in his will. When we as Christians ask for anything that is in God's will, not mine, Jesus is going to say yes. Now, anything is possible for God. But if it is not in God's will, he's not going to do it. I can ask that God gives me a million dollars, but God knows what I'm going to do with a million dollars. And he's like, no. Whereas there's someone who knows what to do with a million dollars, and they pray because it's in God's will, they receive it. What we need to understand as Christians is that the even greater life that we are meant to be living is found when we understand His will. Because when we understand God's will, what happens? Our prayers are answered. How many people want answered prayers? You you remember when I said you have to respond? Mm. So only half of you want God to answer your prayers. Mm. I think it was more this side. So you guys are going to have to work... Or is it just because there's a few more people here? I'm not sure. But how many people want to have your prayers answered? How many of you want to pray and to see God do miraculous things in your life? How many want to see the greater things that God has for you? Then we need to know God's will. Simple, but also really difficult, right? How do we know that we are asking for something that is in God's will? This is one of the key promises that Jesus speaks about. He says this multiple times, especially in this final conversation with his disciples. Whatever you ask, I will do. Whatever you ask, I will do. Whatever you ask, I will do. If you ask in my name, what is in God's will? And so what does Jesus then teach his disciples? How to pray, how to know what's in God's will. Let me unpack this. John 14, 25 to 26. All this I have spoken while still with you. So Jesus is saying, I'm teaching you. I'm the one that's helping you understand this life that you're meant to have with God. But we all know that Jesus is going to be going. And so he says in verse 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. There we go, in my name again. This is in God's will. He wants you to have the Holy Spirit. He's sending the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And he will teach you all things. Not some things. He's not going to hide from you the will of God. He's not going to make you blindly try to work out, God, where are you and what are you trying to do? Holy Spirit, stop playing games. Marco, Marco, Jesus, where are you? What are you doing? Holy Spirit, stop playing. No, no. The advocate will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. You want to know God's will? You need to get to know the Holy Spirit. 
You need to understand his voice. You need to understand where he is at, how he is moving, what he is saying. Because the Holy Spirit is God's gift to all of us to help us to learn and understand the ways of the kingdom. And then, when that's happening, we get to live a crazy rich life. A crazy life that is full of potential, full of the riches of the kingdom. And so that is what he's saying. And then Jesus goes on to say in John 16 verse 7, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am gone away. Because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You know, I've always thought it'd be really cool to walk on earth the same time that Jesus did. How many people think that? How cool will it be to see what Jesus is doing? But you know what? You guys are all in Australia. If you were born 2,000 years ago, none of you would be seeing Jesus. Kind of being honest here. I mean, if you, you would not see Jesus. Jesus didn't come to Australia. Jesus was in Israel for a tiny period of time in Egypt, and then he kind of traveled a little Samaria, but Samaria is still kind of part of Israel. Jesus didn't come here. There were no miracles done in Australia that we know of 2,000 years ago. When Jesus was here, the fullness of the kingdom was expressed through Jesus. But when Jesus went to the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit so that the fullness of the kingdom can be expressed wherever there are Christians. Wherever there are Christians, there is a potential for the kingdom of heaven to be expressed. And so Jesus did not say, you need more of me and you all need to come to Israel and follow me everywhere around. He said, you be a Christian wherever you are because you carry the Holy Spirit whom I am sending. Now, I don't get why Jesus thought that it would be, I don't get the process. Why can't we have both Jesus in Israel and the Holy Spirit everywhere else? But that's his will. That's something about the will of heaven. The will of God is expressed in a way that sometimes doesn't fully make sense to me because I'm not God. But when I understand the scripture and what the scripture is saying, and I understand what the kingdom of heaven is doing, I get to tap into that. And so Jesus walked on this earth for a fixed amount of time, did crazy miracles, but then the process from there is that he's crucified, he's resurrected, he ascends, and then the Holy Spirit gets poured out. And that's something that we are living under today. But what we need to understand is that there is often a waiting on and a waiting for the Holy Spirit. Just because it's God's will that all of us are filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that you already have it and off you go. The Bible tells us something different. Let's look at the early disciples. Jesus, after he rises from, raises is rises from the dead rises from the dead he went around and he uh, spoke to his disciples and in luke 24 49 he says i am going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high and then in acts 1 8 very famous scripture but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you not you will receive power because i am in heaven 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, Jesus could simply have breathed while he was with them, receive, 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 receive. But he told them to wait. And so, as best as I can ascertain, it seems like 120 disciples that Jesus left went to Jerusalem and they went to this, somehow there was this house with an upper level, they called it the upper room, and 120 disciples went up there and they waited for 10 days. And they prayed for what was promised. They hoped for what was promised. And they continued to wait and to hope and to pray for what was promised. Now, at that time, not a single one of them knew what it would be like for the Holy Spirit to fall and to baptize them. That had not happened before. It was a brand new experience. And so this is what happens in my mind. I go, maybe I'm one of the 120, and I'm thinking, you know, day one, okay, we pray all day, guys. Good job. Good perseverance, good patience. Let's do this again tomorrow. And then we pray. By day three, I'm like, I think it's come, right? <laughs> do you feel a little bit more empowered? Yeah, I've been praying for three days. I'm feeling pretty good. Is this the Holy Spirit? I guess so. All right, let's go. And maybe I could get to day five. Seven. But 10 days, I know in your scheme of thought, maybe it's not that long. You try fasting for 10 days. Come and tell me whether it's a long time or not. They were praying together 10 days, not knowing what they were waiting for, but they were waiting for something. They knew that the promise of God was coming, but had not yet come. There is something that teaches us to pray and to wait and to hope for what God is bringing. Sometimes we think that just because God has promised it, I'm going to receive it when I want it. One of the hardest things for us in Western civilization to do is to wait for what God has promised and to continue waiting until the fulfillment of what Jesus has promised. And so I, that was a real, that was, that, that was good preaching right there. <laughs> How many of you are waiting until you receive what God has promised you? How many of you have tarried and wrestled with this waiting? And how many of you are so impatient and think that you have better plans than God and have left the upper room before the outpouring of the Spirit? How many of you think that you know better? God, you're taking too long. You're taking too long for my healing. You're taking too long for my promotion. You're taking too long for my breakthrough. It takes too long to read the Bible. It takes too long to understand your voice. It takes too long to learn to pray. It takes too long to be a disciplined Christian. It takes too long. Why can't you give it to me? Because if I give it to you, you're going to be a weak Christian. You know, I could give Sam a million dollars right now. I can't, but if I could. <laughs> what is Sam going to do with a million dollars? If I gave it to him in paper cash, he'll probably rip them apart. Confetti, a million dollars worth of confetti. You know, I wonder if some of us are not grown because we don't wait. The Bible tells us to add to our faith perseverance. 
The Holy Spirit is a promise of God, yes. But we've got to wait for it. I read this a while ago. Let me see if I can recall it. It's not in my notes. The grace of God takes away our need for achievement, for earning. The grace of God takes us away from a mode of earning. We don't earn anything from God. Everything is a gift. But the grace of God doesn't take away our need for effort. It takes away our need for earning, but it doesn't take our need for effort. The Bible tells us time and time again that we need to wait, we need to persevere, we need to tarry, we need to wrestle, we need to struggle, sometimes suffer. And sometimes, but God's grace. Yes, God's grace. You're not earning anything you've already received or has already been done in heaven. But God is still saying, wait and tarry and persevere. Today, that's what this is, message is all centered around. Why do we need to have a hope in the giving of the Holy Spirit? Because the Bible tells us to receive and to keep being filled. In Ephesians, it's not a one-off thing. It keeps coming. And some of you say, but Nate, you're only talking about the first outpouring of the Spirit. Maybe they needed to wait because there was a special occasion. Well, the Bible keeps telling us about this need to wait. In Acts chapter 19, verse 1 to 7, this is what it says. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. He found some people who were already in the kingdom. He found some people who were already followers of the way. He found people who weren't if, it, if they were just simply Jews, he would have called them Jews. If they were people that were under the old covenant, he would have just simply called them Jews. But he said that they are disciples. These were people that had heard about Jesus, had repented and followed the kingdom. And this is what he says to them. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is not just something that falls from the sky and you get to know. It's something that you are taught and it's something that you learn and it's something that you choose to partner with. And so Paul then asked in verse 3, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Verse 4, Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. These guys were repentant. These guys had turned away from whatever old lives they had and said, I'm aiming for the kingdom. You can be a kingdom-minded person and not have the Holy Spirit. You can be desiring what God wants and still not have the Holy Spirit. And so he goes on and he says to them, John's baptism was baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one that is coming after him that is in Jesus. See, Jesus wasn't just about repent, 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 and that's it. It was repent and then receive. There's something more. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. These were people, like I mentioned, who were already wanting to follow Jesus, but they did not have the fullness of what God was wanting to give to them. They needed someone to come to them, maybe just like what I'm doing today, to say, repent, fantastic. 
Now receive, because there is something greater that is coming, and that is the Holy Spirit. The Advocate is, is, is being sent so that you are going to understand and know and be empowered by what God is wanting to do. There is a difference between believing in Jesus and receiving the Holy Spirit as the gift, as the inheritance that God wants us to have. And then when they received the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in tongues. You see, this was one of the key things, and this is something that is a bit contentious in the Christian world. I don't have time to dive into the fullness of it. We can have a conversation if you want. But they began to speak in tongues. And they spoke in tongues, and the, and the Bible describes this speaking in tongues as a prayer language. There is a, there's a speaking in tongues that is more of a prophecy, and as in 1 Corinthians, we can discuss that, but then there is also a prayer language. The, 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 the praying in tongues is a prayer language that builds me up. Paul describes this as when I speak in tongues, my mind is futile. It is not being activated, but my spirit is being built up. It is coming alive. You know why the Holy Spirit helps us, or you know how the Holy Spirit helps us to know the will of God? It's because you stop thinking so much and telling God what is required and what your plans are. We, we, we need to sometimes, I'm not saying that don't use your mind. Christians are meant to be the wisest, you know, most amazingly gifted people on the face of the planet. I believe that wholeheartedly. We're meant to use our minds. We're meant to use our hands, our feet. We're meant to be using all of that. But to know the will of God, sometimes we need to stop this going and saying, God, you know what will be better than your plans? You know, mine. And so when we pray in this heavenly language, we aren't going through this filter. We're going straight to the heavens. And it says that we are uttering mysteries to God. We are connecting with God. And God is speaking to us and something is stirring on the inside. And that's where our spirit is being built up because it is in contact with the will of God so that we know what God wants. And so that next time that we start to activate our minds, we're going, Spirit, help me to understand what God is willing in my life. And then we begin to pray according to those wills in the name of Jesus, and those prayers are answered. Why does God give us the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is like a super highway speed satellite connection. Connects us to God so that we understand His will. But so many of us are not using the Spirit or not filling up on the Spirit not receiving what God, or not using what God has given to us, or not even, or for the first, maybe you've understood repentance, which is fantastic, but God is saying there is something more. I want you to intimately know my will and my heart. And so this is what the Holy Spirit, that's why we receive this prayer language when we receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because it, it, it begins to work something new in us. It begins to stretch us from the inside out. And later on, in just a few mo minutes, we're going to pray for people to receive, just like Paul did to those early believers, to lay our hands and to say, receive the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and to see God do something fantastic in your life. For those, some of you, you have received the Holy Spirit, but there's something in you that's stirring and saying, I need to be filled again. That's a fantastic attitude to have. 
because the Bible tells us that we need to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. So what are we meant to do about all of that? How are we meant to receive the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus teaches us this in Luke chapter 11, verse 5 to 13. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have, by the way, this is a passage that came straight after Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer. It says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive uh, the trespasses of those who have trespassed us. Something like that. It's very poetic. And, um, and then he goes on and he says to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside says, don't bother, don't bother me. The, the door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. See, Jesus tells this parable. This person goes to his neighbor and, 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 and is not desiring something that is just for himself. This is a good prayer. This is a good ask. This is a generous ask. I need something from you to bless someone else. And that is what our prayer life should be like. It's not just give me more, give me more, give me more. It's about can you give me so I can give. Yeah. And that's a great prayer. But notice this, that Jesus teaches in this parable. The person asks and nothing happens. Have you ever been in a place where you ask for something noble, something good, something for someone else and nothing happens? Yeah, it happens. And it's tough. But what does Jesus then say in his parable? You keep asking. And you ask with a shameless audacity. When was the last time you asked anything of God with shameless audacity? Where you were so uncaring about your dignity? Where you were so putting aside all sense of, I deserve this. You put that all aside and you crawled to Jesus and you said, I don't care what it's going to take. I will not let you go until I have received. And then you do that not for one day, not for two days, not for three days, not for five, maybe for 10, maybe for 20. But you know that it is in God's word. And so you wrestle with God and you say, God, I need your blessing. This brings up pictures of Jacob in the middle of the desert fighting with God and saying, I need your blessing. If not, I'm not letting you go. How many of us had that shameless audacity? Audacity, that sense of like, I can ask for crazy things. You know what's the craziest thing to me? That we could ask for the very Spirit of God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who raised Christ from the dead, and we can say, live in me. I want to be your vessel. I want to understand your power and your might and your wisdom and your kingdom and your will. I want that. And God says, I'm going to bless that. I see that shameless audacity. One that perseveres more than the first no. More than the first maybe. You know, kids get this better than we do. Kids don't get disappointed when parents say no. What do they do? They ask. And then what do they do? They ask. 
And then they wail in the middle of the shops and they stomp their feet and they make a scene because they are shamelessly audacious. And they know that the person that they are being shamelessly audacious to is able to give exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond. But we come to God as though He doesn't want a bar of it. We come to God and then we go, please God, if you will. I'm being a nice Christian. I've been good today. No, oh, I really wanted that, but if you say no, it must be part of your will. And we walk away. There isn't that perseverance, that, that tarrying where, you know, God might be checking to see if you really want it. If it's that important to you, why would you let it go? If it's that important to you, why would you let it go? If we know the value of the Holy Spirit living in us, why would you let it go? But maybe you're a three-day Christian. I've waited for three days. This is not worth it. Fine. Go live your mundane, unempowered life. Just wait to the end of time. I'm not there for that. I'm here for the even greater things that Jesus promised me. And so he goes on, Jesus goes on in verse 9, and he says, So I say to you, so, so, this is connected. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For who, everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks, find, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. We love that passage, but we don't link it to the shameless audacity. And so we think that ask, seeking, knocking is like, God, please, no, uh, I'll come back. Maybe never. Jesus, please. Jesus, please. Jesus, please. I need you. I need your Holy Spirit. I need your promises. I need the fullness of what you have got. I want all that is in your storehouses. And the door opens after shameless audacity. After. Not before. Not the first two minutes of crying. Maybe (laughs) ten days of crying. And then you have this funny segue where Jesus says in verse 11, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's funny that Jesus needs to remind us, God gives us good things. Why does he need to remind us that a good God gives good things? It's because sometimes the weight is too difficult. It's too difficult for our flesh. It's too difficult for our desires and our sense of control and our timelines. And that weight is sometimes too hard. My breakthrough is not here yet. God must not want to give that to me. You keep asking. And maybe God will reveal that what you're asking isn't in His will, but then you need to ask Him, if it's not in your will, then what do you want to do, God? <laughs> Let's wrestle. Let's wrestle with what God is saying. But the starting point to bring this all back, God promises us even greater things. If we ask in His will, how do we know His will? The Holy Spirit teaches us. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? By shamelessly 
audaciously asking, seeking, and knocking. Can we get the band up this morning? I'm done in my teaching, but I'm here to ask for a response. I'm here because I don't think that the same old, same old will get you more of God. I don't think I'll, I'll gradually get there when I get there is good enough. The thing I found about desperation is that desperation is not something that gradually grows. It's either I realize how difficult my situation is and I'm desperate, or I think I can manage this and I'm not desperate. Does that make sense? So you can actually go out of here and think you can manage your life all right. Sorry, your bug was... You can walk out of here and not have a desperation for God. Because that desperation is in here. It's a realization of the incomparable worth of God, of the Holy Spirit. And me saying, I can't leave you without that. That desperation comes from a realization. Me falling to my knees and going, God, how could I ever think that I can do this without you? That desperation comes because I choose to have my eyes open to what the kingdom of heaven is offering. But equally, I can choose to ignore it. I can choose to ignore the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. God doesn't want to give those who are forced to receive. God wants to give those who are hungry and are saying, I'm done playing. I want to be like the 120. They've seen Jesus do things. They heard his teaching. They heard him say, even greater things than these shall you do because I'm going to the Father. And I'm going to send you something that is for your good. They heard those instructions. Stay in Jerusalem until you have received. And so what did they do? They stayed until they received. I want to have that stay until kind of attitude about anything that God says. I want to have a stay until attitude when it comes to the will of God and the treasures of the kingdom. I want to have a stay until attitude to everything in life that all of this is worthless without God and without the Holy Spirit. So can you stand in this place this morning? I'm going to ask that if you have got something in you, a fire in you that is starting, a desperation from hearing these words and saying, I need to have that stay until attitude. Then you come up to the front. 
You leave your dignity behind and you say, I'm shamelessly, audaciously going to stand here and ask for the very Spirit of God to be given to me today. And I'm going to stay until you do something in me, God. And I'm going to keep waiting, and I'm going to keep hoping, and I'm going to keep praying. And if it doesn't happen today, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to stay until, and I'm going to stay until, I'm going to stay until I have received you, Jesus. For those who have received the Holy Spirit before, but you're going dry, and you're going, I I haven't found myself shamelessly, audaciously asking for a while. Then you step forward, and you you say, I am going to stay until I had a fresh touch from heaven. God responds to hunger. God responds to faith. God responds to you when you are shamelessly, audaciously persevering in your ask. And so please ask today. The band's going to lead us in this song. And if you want our team, our elders to be praying for you, you step forward. If you don't make it clear enough, I'm not going to pray for you. Because I think there is something about Christians saying, I'm going to become more undignified so that God has more space in my life. So you make it clear that you want a fresh touch from heaven or your first touch of the Holy Spirit. And we will pray with you. We will stand with you. And I'm going to believe that God is going to do something crazy this morning in your life. So come forward, come forward as a response. Thanks, Ben. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Live Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.